Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becca and my partner, Hari. Hello. I like your shirt right there, Astrodome. Uh, I don't know if they Staying. can see it, but... Um... <laughs> Staying true to the Houston roots, Hari. Yeah, it says everything that is that's not lost will... Or everything that is... Uh, not saved will be lost. So both a reference to uh, the Astrodome and to your um, Nintendo uh, 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 save oh, game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the, I like the pixelated image. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, in this episode, we will be talking about return on equity, uh, return on equity, uh, return on equity in asset like business, such as software. Yeah. And why this is such an important concept and why it is slightly different here in this uh, in this industry, you know, asset light industries uh, such as uh, software. Uh, why 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 do we need to look at return equity slightly differently? We will talk about in this episode. Yep. Before we do that, though, uh, should we do a quick disclaimer, Hari? Yeah. Um. So this uh, podcast is an educational podcast uh, designed to help you learn how uh, the value investing works and it is not a podcast that is giving you specific recommendations on what to invest in um we want you to learn how to do that and um if you have any specific questions about your your own financial situation you should consult a financial advisor perfect all right let's uh let's dive right into this i think before we start though i think um what could be nice is if you could kind of summarize quickly what return equity is kind of definition why kind of why it is important kind of generally and we can dive into asset light business down the road yeah so we had talked about in the last episode you know return on equity as <coughs> excuse me net income divided by uh, shareholders' equity. So, net income is the bottom line of your um, income statement. So, um, after you subtract out all of the expenses, this is what the uh, accounting profit is for that a particular quarter or year. And then you take um, the balance sheet and look at the assets minus liabilities gives you the equity. So, what you own minus what you owe equals your uh, equity uh, in a business. It's not unlike your you know the equity in a house um it's the same concept right the house is this the price of the house minus the debt you know the mortgage payment equals your equity so um that is what you as the shareholder own in the in the business so we had talked about shareholders equity as something that can be slightly manipulated with debt so if you have a lot of debt you can lower the amount of equity which means that you have uh an asset minus liability, uh, the liability is higher, so you get a lower amount. So then your return on equity is something that is kind of um, artificially inflated, right? So whenever we talk about return on equity, you may see numbers that are high, like 100%, 200%, but it's because the equity base is skewed due to debt. So if you see that, you know, the kind of the rule of thumb that we look for is debt to equity ratio is less than one. Or the company has the ability to pay off all of its debt um, with uh, free cash flow in about three years. 
yeah, I think those are kind of good rundown of what return on equity is, kind of the edge cases that Hari talked about. I think those are really good, really important to kind of keep in mind as you um, as you analyze companies. Yeah, and, uh, so with that said, uh, yeah, I was, was going to say, Becca, it may be worthwhile also to explain um, to our listeners what, you know, why this, this um, you know, what what is this actually measuring, right? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. So. Um, so, you know, return on equity is really a measurement of profitability in the company, right? So companies that have a um, return on equity is essentially saying, for every dollar that I invest, how much do I get back in the business, right? And that's what this concept is really telling you is, how much money do I have to spend to uh, to gain this? So, uh, you know, if, if I were trying to copy this business in order to get a rate of return... Now, there's some vagaries in this, in the laws um, of return on equity or, or how uh, gap accounting rules work. And think of a business like Macy's, who's owned its flagship New York um, uh, store for over, you know, 100 years. So they may, you know, that asset is basically off of the books because it's depreciated out over time. And so... Um, and and the land that was it was purchased you know on and 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 built was actually purchased at the price that you know it was it was purchased so that was a hundred years ago so that's uh, I would imagine in a hundred years has uh, grown by significant amounts so equity is not a perfect measurement because of the way you know the the, the rules work you don't get to re yeah. uh, assess the value of these assets over time. They are just at the carrying price, and then they get depreciated away over time. And so you sometimes see businesses like Macy's that has a high return on equity, even though their return on equity is actually for assets that they've owned for a very long time, right? So that's another mm -hmm. kind of way that you can see a, see these numbers tweaked, right? Whereas newer businesses mm -hmm. don't have any of those rules, you know, benefiting their, you know, or upping their return on equity. Yeah, I think actually, if, if I can summarize right there for our listeners, I think those two points, edge cases, are really important to kind of keep in mind. First edge case that we talked about is companies with a lot of debt, return equity is going to be artificially high because of the debt that is involved. So that's one case. The other case that Hari just talked about there is if you have an asset base that has been depreciated away for a long time, for example, Macy's is a good example, your return equity is also going to be inflated. So when we talk about return on equity being kind of end all be all, it is not end all be all. Actually, it is it is an, it is a uh, you know it is a measurement that you have to understand, but you have to take the take this context into account when you are looking at these numbers. Yeah, and and to give you guys you know some more flavor on this, you know, Becco and I are both programmers, right? We we understand programming and how it could help us find you know these great businesses. Um, you know, by screening methodologies and things like that. Um, and the problem with using those is that if you don't capture all of the flavor of of these, you know, various things like Macy's or, you know, or you have to, you know, modify the, the return on equity using debt, you know, calculations and stuff like that. So it's not as easy to just sit there and capture information, um, you know, using this, that is why we have a checklist. That's why we go through it with every investment that we do, um, which, by the way, you can get at info at valueinvestor.org or you can tweet us at valueinvestortv and we're happy to send it to you. Um, or if you have any questions, you know, by, by all means, send it to us that through those channels. Um, but the purpose of what we're, we're trying to 
get you guys to understand is like we talked about in the earlier uh, topic or in the the last podcast. Um, this concept is super powerful, e- even though it um, you know has all these gotchas, right? And you can't just necessarily look at one number every year and just say that's that's the return on equity. It'll fluctuate every year, and it'll have you know vagaries that that change it. But it's such a good uh, method of identifying how quickly a business can grow because that return on equity is how much money gets generated based off their equity base. And then if they plow all of that back into the company, you will see that rate of return over a long period of time, right? So if yeah. if they grow, if they have a 20% return on equity, that 20% will, that's what they'll their long-term growth rate will be, Right. That's super yeah. critical to understand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this this uh, this metric is very very important as we have been kind of iterating and trying to hammer it to you guys, hammer it hammer it in. Uh, it, it's such an important concept, um, and and that's why I think uh, you know before we actually move into the topic that we wanted to discuss, uh, we don't want to take too much time here. But these these are concepts that is really important to kind of highlight. Uh, I also want to point out that if you if you see companies where your your management's incentive structure is tied to any of these kind of um, operational efficiency ratio, return on equity, return on invested capital, those are really good things. I like to look at, you know, I like to look at management inf- incentive structures quite a bit because you know incentive structures are powerful motivators. And if you look at incentive structures and they have return on equity or return on invested capital in there as part of their kind of target for the year or for the quarter, that's that's a really good thing for me. Um, yeah, and you know that the higher that return, you know, in a business that has the ability to grow, um, you know, the faster it'll grow. I mean, that's that's a fantastic thing, right? When you really think about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, is, exactly. Is, it's the ability to continue to grow uh, quickly. So, um, yeah. All right. So, what should we move? Yeah, let's. Yeah, let's let's move on to the main topic of our of our podcast. Yeah. Uh, so this topic uh, was kind of brought up um, by Hari. He had an epiphany, and I think it's a powerful concept. It's an amazing, amazing concept. So, if you could just take us through how you kind of got this insight. Because I think it's a powerful concept. Well, so I mean, I'm not going to take credit for it. I mean, there are lots of people who are talking about this, but you know, when you think about a a business, right? We have talked about the equity base heavily, right? That's something that can be manipulated, um, you know, by debt, by other things, um, right? And there and there are other w- ways of measuring this more efficiently. But really, what we are getting to the heart of is, you know, our um, you know the the world that we live in is ma- moving more and more towards an asset light business model, right? So that means, you know, technology doesn't have you know a whole lot of hardware that they're purchasing. They're not you know spending a lot of money on uh, you know physical infrastructure. I mean, there are some businesses that are, but for the most part, technology is a asset light business, right? That means. They're not spending money on the equipment, but they are having to spend a lot of money on people, right? And the people part of this is the other side of the equation, right? So if you have a lot of money that is spent on um, your uh, people, what you're seeing is an expense that is occurring year one, year two. Well, if you think about research and development, right? Research and development is 
something that you pre-spend for, right? You're going to take that money and spend it on year one, but you won't see any return on it until year two or three, right? So you'll see a lot of companies that will have a temporary rise in their um, in their operating expenses, and that will lower their return on equity, right? And so when you see that occur, what what's happening is they're ramping up to build out a future, you know, growth, right? And so it it makes it a lot harder to assess those kind of businesses. Think about Amazon early in the 2000s, right? This business, so Jeff Bezos figured out that every dollar after his gross profit is essentially business business investment, right? So he can take that money and invest in newer products, building new things out. And that's all people, right? So he hires a bunch more people to do stuff. So you saw that Amazon had a very thin operating margin, right? But a lot of that was money that was being spent on building out new things. So in 2008 or 2009, they released uh, Amazon Cloud Services, which allowed them, you know, AWS. um, And so that was a build-out that occurred because of all of their spending on infrastructure, you know, prior to uh, 2008, right? And that may have taken them two, three, four years to build out. Uh, and and then you didn't see a much of a profit until um, afterwards, right? And then in 2008, you know, Amazon, which was, you know, there was a great uh, article in, um, I think it was the Wall Street Journal recently that was showing Amazon versus Uber in year year 10, right? Or year nine, I think they, they were. So Uber is nine years old, Amazon at nine years. Amazon had a very thin operating profit, you know, a uh, few hundred million dollars. Uber has multiple billions of dollars in loss, right? And, you know, when you looked at what Amazon was doing, they were taking essentially all of their profit. And instead of seeing it as at a capital ex- expenditure, right, which is what we would normally look at, and that's where we would see this, you know, uh, you know, big capex expense. What we're instead seeing is a huge operating expense, and we're thinking about it. If you're looking at it in a, you know, at a very high level, and you're not paying attention, you're not reading the annual report, you're not reading what that money is being spent on. What you would see is, oh, this is a low return business because they're spending all their money on the, um, on the return uh, on the operating side, without any real. You know, I don't see any profit being generated, right? So it looks like low return business because all of the operating profit is is taking it out, right? If you look at yep. another good example of this, and it's not even a tech company, was Skechers, right? Skechers in the last two or three years was saying we need to ramp up heavily to build out for these new emerging markets, China, India, and so on. And when we talked about the company, you saw a lot much lower profit. Um, uh, you know their their net income did not look like it was growing, right? And they were spending a lot of money on uh, their e-commerce infrastructure, so tech uh, side of things, and they were also spending a lot of money on people in various industries, like in China, because they couldn't afford. You know, it, it was not about a capital expenditure; it was about that. So, <clears throat> what? Why this is such an important concept is, you may look at a business and say, oh, wow, they have a super low rate of return, and then you pass on that industry, right? Or you pass on that company. And then when the the actual leverage occurs, when they actually take that money and it's now generating a ton of profit, 
everybody's already caught on to it, right? And so you miss the boat on this kind of business, right? Yeah. That's the, the what we're trying to help you uh, understand. So go ahead, Becco. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, that's a, I mean, when you, te- when you told me that, I, I was kind of mind blown. I think that is a powerful concept. And I think, I think for our listeners, maybe a good way to kind of, because we threw out a lot of kind of terminology, operating expense, cap, cap, you know, capex. If I could just summarize at a high level what they, what they are, capex is, you can find it in cash flow statements. It's at the, the, the bottom, you know, the last kind of financial statements that you oftentimes see. The capital expenditures are kind of hard assets that you purchase. So for example, if you're hiring somebody, you're not gonna, that's not a CapEx. So you won't, you won't see that in the, in the CapEx line in the cash flow statements. So CapEx is hard kind of assets that you're purchasing that's going to increase your asset base. That's what CapEx is. Operating expense, on the other hand, you can find it in the income statements. So it's the operating expense of of running your business. So for example, hiring somebody like we talked about, that example would belong in the operating expense. So what Hari's talking about is for tech asset light businesses, you're not gonna have a lot of CapEx, right? You're not gonna buy a whole bunch of equipment to run a software company. What you're gonna do instead is you're gonna invest in people, you're gonna invest in you know operating expense. So if you're just looking at uh you know, looking at asset businesses from this conventional kind of uh, thought, you're going to miss the boat like Ari talked about. So that's kind of what we're talking about at a high level. I just wanted to touch on those kind of definitions. Right. And I, I think the, the important thing is I get a lot of people who come up to me when we run our value investor meetup and when we, um, you know, we get this from, um, you know, various m- emails and things like that about, you know, the screening methodologies that we use to find all these companies. And, what I will tell you is if you don't read the annual report, you're not going to be able to know what this company is doing, right? You may see a drip dip in their operating profit and you may say, well, that's because they're, you know, business, you know, times are bad or, you know, things aren't working out or whatever, right? But that's not actually what's happening, right? The company may be investing in its people to launch a new product to get, you know, things out, out the door. And then you don't see any, uh, return on that, right? And so it's not about building infrastructure, you know, physical infrastructure. It's about, you know, in a in an economy like this, you know, in a uh, tech economy, you're going to have a lot more asset light kind of things. Now, the return on equity is still the same, right? If you lower the operating expense, you're lowering your return on or lowering your operating profit, you're going to ret- lower your return on equity, right? But what we're really highlighting here is in an asset light business, you need to be paying attention to what are they actually doing on the operating expense side of the house and find, you know, is that going to uh, actually turn into profit, right, in the future, right? So building a new business line, building new software doesn't guarantee that you're going to succeed, right? You may build something and it may be the Amazon Fire Phone, which you know, was a, was a failure, right? Disaster. Yeah. yeah. So, but you may be spending money and it may not be clear what you're spending it on. Right. Um, at, but you need to look at the annual report, pay attention to the conference calls, pay attention to what people are saying, because then you can kind of identify what that money is being used for. And you may see mm-hmm. this very low, you know, return on, 
or, or very low am- amount of money spent on capital expenditures, but you'll see a ton of money being spent on the operating side. And it and what it does, which is why it's confusing to people, is their earnings per share will get affected, right? When you spend mm-hmm. on capital expenditure, earnings per share is not affected at all, right? And so you see yep. companies that have the, uh, you know, just, just so you to understand that concept, net income is divided by shares outstanding is the earnings per share, right? And that's affected by how much money is being spent on the operating side. But on the capital mm-hmm. expenditure side, that is occurring in the cash flow statement. That's occurring after your earnings per share has been you know, identified, right? Both are important. Both are important expenses. And if you're not spending enough money on the CapEx side or you're spending a lot on the CapEx side, it affects your um, free cash flow, right? The free cash flow takes into all of those into account. But what, what doesn't take into account is if you're spending money on the operating profit, your earnings per share will be significantly diminished. You look at Amazon during the 2000s, their operating expenses were very high, very had low operating profit. But what they were doing was taking the money out of the, you know, from the business that it was generating and plowing it back into new businesses lines. And you couldn't see that. And if you just looked at it and you said, wow, they're trading at a PE of 100. Well, they're trading at a PE of 100 because they're spending a lot on operating profit. And the future yeah. is where they're going to make up all of that. And now you look fast forward to 2018 and they're generating 10, 15 billion dollars in um, in net income because now that mm-hmm. all of that investment is paying off, right? Yeah. Not to mention all the tax benefits that they're reaping. Yeah, yeah they're not paying any taxes <laughs> yeah. because they had an, a tax loss for so long. And now it's kind of, yeah. they can't have, you know, avoid it. So, yeah. It's a pretty, it's a really powerful concept. And I think that right there, what you talked about, understanding kind of the fundamentals of the business, understanding, opening up 10K and actually reading through the business, seeing what, you know, reading through the comments in the annual report, reading through the comments in in the transcripts, the conference call is so important. And that's why value investing is hard, right? You can't just, you can't just, uh, you know, digitally or programmatically screen things. As much as we would like to, it's not, it's not possible. So you need to really put in the work uh, if you want to be a good value investors. And, you know, people who, I mean, you, we're kind of seeing it now, right, with Amazon. If you have found that, if you have kind of understood this, this kind of nuance, um, it would be it'd be hard. But if you kind of understood this nuance, you know, you, you're seeing kind of the growth of a, of a major, major company and, uh, kind of and, and, you know, rise out of nowhere. And by the way, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger didn't see that, right? They they missed this, mm-hmm. right? It, not not that they this specific part of it, but they missed Amazon, right? They they didn't see it being that you know thing, and they'll you know readily admit that, right? I, you know, obviously everyone I I missed it. You know, a lot of people who were thinking about this said, you know, they barely make a profit, right? And they then use that to compare it to Uber, right? Which is, oh, well, Uber was not profitable. Well, that's not true. You know, relative to Amazon, Amazon was actually profitable. They were, and they were profitable after three or four years of their existence. Um, but all mm-hmm. of the money was being spent on the operating profit side. But they still had a, you know, we're breaking even. You know, Uber is spending money, you know, left and right, and they have no operating profit, right? So, you know, their return yeah. on equity is super, super negative because, you know, whatever they've built up on an equity side, is being you know destroyed by the um, you know by the fact that you, they're subsidizing every ride, right? So yeah, 
you know, I, I think this concept is really powerful because as you analyze companies, there are hidden gems that are hidden because you can't, you're not properly measuring their profitability, right? And if you can identify those companies and then identify what the, you know, the profitability will be, you have a potential, you know, big win, you know, as that company yeah. gets um, going. You know, Becco and I, <coughs> excuse me, uh, have been looking at a company that we, uh, we don't we don't talk about uh, specifically investments that he and I have made uh, on the podcast, um, you know, because we don't pump companies or you know s- you know do that kind of stuff. But you know, they were doing something very similar to what we were talking about, where they're investing heavily in a business, um, you know, in a new line of business that um, is very software heavy driven, um, and that means that they don't have a you know, all of it is affected in the operating side and they still maintain very high operating margins. Um, but, um, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, leveraging up of that because it's it's actually lowering their return on equity, right? Their traditional return on equity had been much higher. It's gone down, but um, that is because they're investing so heavily in that operating side of the house. And we will see that leverage yeah. up here in the next few years. Mm-hmm. That's to me. That's what's exciting, Hari. Like, this is you know, at value investing to me, it's really finding um, you know finding these true gems that are hidden, right? And so once you find them, once you identify them, investing with conviction, and until you know, investing with conviction, and that, and then, and then you know, be patient, and that thing just takes off. That's that's where the true joy yeah. is, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh you know it's it, you can't it's, it's hard to describe the kind of the feelings. Yeah. Um, the money's good too. Yeah, when, when you money's great. Money's great. But yeah, no but that that feeling of finding a great business that, you know, other people are not you know not seeing for what it is um is mm-hmm. is is kind of a great, you know, thing that you have this like secret and um mm-hmm. you know that you can't you know, you can tell everybody, but no one believes you. And then five years from yeah. now, everybody looks at you like, I wish I had known that. I was like, well, I was telling yeah. you, you know, to look for these things. And and that's kind of why we want you to, what we want you to learn, right? Is this idea of identifying those businesses. Because look, this podcast, who knows if it's going to be around forever. We're not here to tell you individual companies to invest in. You find those businesses, you find companies that you understand and you will see that, you know, where they're investing and how they're using their money, how they're allocating their capital, right? Which is such an important part of this concept. And then you will you will start learning um, what good businesses are, and then you will start finding these companies. And it it looks like a daunting task, right? But um, but it really isn't. You if you spend the time, I I think you will find them. And and you know. And and you will gain all of the the reward from doing that hard work. I think. Um. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's such a powerful concept. Return equity and return equity specifically in like asset light business. I think it's a powerful, powerful concept. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's kind of it for us. Anything you want to add before we close out, Hari? Yeah, there's one one final thing I want to say about this, you know, to add to this return on equity concept, right, is that we had talked about the business where you expand the equity base and then it, it slowly grows over time. There's an even better thing than that, which is 
a company where you don't even have to spend money to see it grow. Uh, yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah, so think about Microsoft in the 80s, right? They would stamp Office CDs, right? You make the first copy of Office costs $10 million or whatever it was, right? The second copy of Office costs two cents, right? The cost of making a box, right? Yeah. And so the more they sell, the more money they make, right? But the it, it essentially is a concept of being able to make more and more money without spending any more, right? That is the ideal business, right? That you can make money you, you, without reinvesting it. So Buffett and Munger gave the example of Seize Candy, right? So they bought Seize Candy for $25 million net in like the 70s. And they've since spent $40 million have been reinvested into the business um, in, you know, 50 years, right? Uh, 40, you know, almost 50 years. Um, but the company has returned over a billion dollars to them in that time, right? In terms of profit. So they don't have to reinvest that money to make money there, right? And that's really, really powerful, right? So that's the ideal scenario is can they re can they continue to grow without reinvestment? Um, most businesses don't work that way, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. But if you can find a business that does, you know, which software is a great place to look, right? You can find businesses mm -hmm. that do that. Um, then, then you yeah. may have a winner, right? The uh, Apple has that yeah. same concept, right? That they have a per price for making the iPhone, but then they sell services and they sell other equipment and all this stuff, and they pull you into an ecosystem. So. Without reinvestment, they can still grow and generate a ton of money. So, yeah, and that kind of, that kind of goes back to our discussion around competitive advantage, yep. right? Um, um, but that's a separate topic altogether. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. All right, um, I think that's it for us today. Uh, this episode, this was really enlightening episode for me. Uh, I hope it was enlightening for you as well, our listeners. And please uh, send us email, send us uh, you know any any comments, any questions, any suggestions for the podcast. Please send us uh, emails at info at valueinvestor.org or uh, just tw tweet us at uh, valueinvestortv. That's our handle. So info at valueinvestor.org email and Twitter handle valueinvestortv. Um, so reach out to us, send us any questions, comments. And if you would be so kind, uh, please leave us uh, kind of um, yeah, ratings on um, on Apple Apple Podcasts. Um, any you know any any review there would really help us uh, get more visibility uh, in this in this podcast scene. Um, Hari, anything else before we close out? Nope. Uh, really appreciate everyone's feedback. We've gotten a lot of kind words from a lot of our listeners, and you know that um, really helps us. Uh, you know, uh, makes us feel good. We like warm fuzzies, um, but it also uh, is nice to hear that people are getting stuff out of this um, and makes us want to keep going. So, yeah, exactly. Awesome, guys. Uh, thank you all for listening and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Yep. Thanks. Mm -hmm.